0: Hey everyone, it's Danny Burke of Visons Rush Hour. Be sure to check out my podcast, The Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. We dive into the betting angles for all of the Chicago teams. If you're from Chicago or just a fan of any of the Chicago sports teams and you want to become a sharper better, this is the podcast for you. So subscribe, follow, and listen to The Chicago City Cast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Or wherever you get your podcast readily made available to you.
1: This is the Chicago City Cast with Danny Burke, presented by Bet Rivers.
0: Welcome in, folks, to another edition of the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. You know me, Danny Burke, your host. You can always follow me on Twitter at Danny Burke5, and you can catch my other show Rush Hour. On vison the sports betting network, Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time, live out of the Bet River Sportsbook. It's also available the Marquee Sports Network, Fubo TV, Sling TV, the Xfinity app, YouTube TV, and iHeartRadio, along with accessing it on VEASAN.com and the VEASAN app. But hey, it's the beginning of the week, guys, so you know what time it is. It is a time to digest. We had a night to sleep on it, maybe two, depending on when you're listening to this, or just finally going back to that game against the Packers and, and kind of just bringing all your thoughts together. But this show, if you don't know, consists of, consists of us really just, again, you know, having a night to rest on it, having to fully digest everything. What did we think of that game and what does that mean going forward? Now we also guess what the line would be for the upcoming matchup on the road against the Buccaneers. And we'll get to that a little bit later in the show. We've got our segments, where's the beef, when I pick out my issues I either have with the Chicago sports fan, team, player, coach, whatever it may be, where I have beef with. And uh, yeah, there's a few to throw around from this past weekend. Then we also got Bear With Me. Bear With Me. Everything's going to be okay because of whatever reason. And there is one, don't worry. We'll throw one out for this upcoming week for Chicago too. In the latter half of this episode, uh, we've got some college football to break down from this past week. And I know everybody's probably getting ready for me to yell into this microphone about Scott Frost and company. And if that's what you were thinking I was going to do, then you are absolutely correct because you bet your butt that's what I'm going to be doing toward the end of this episode. And then we got Bulls basketball starting up, baby. You know, I'll give a little bit of a insight on that game one matchup. I know we kind of touched on it last week, or maybe I'm thinking of another show. Regardless, if we haven't already, I'll touch on it a little bit for the Bulls and the Pistons because I did make a play already in that game. And we'll look forward to talking more about it in the middle of the week. But let's get into it. We've had a night to digest, right? We have had time to digest the outcome against the Green Bay Packers. Just to kind of recap, what we talked about in the post-game reaction show is, were you surprised? No. This was pretty much the assumption from most people, I would gather, in terms of how this game was going to go. But where were you disappointed is the main thing. And for me, as I stressed after the game, and I'm still there in terms of being a little bit salty about it from a fan perspective and from a you know, a a couch coach perspective is you should have let Justin Fields throw the ball more. And I get it. Khalil Herbert has been an absolute beast. 19 carries, 97 yards, one rushing touchdown yesterday. One that got called back that of course shouldn't have gotten called back, but it is what it is. And you had success on the ground game, but the thing is you can't just keep Really hammering that down in the second half. We don't want this Bears team to turn into the Tennessee Titans, right? As good as Derrick Henry is, you don't see the Titans making deep playoff runs. I know their defense is bad, but you want a quarterback who can throw. Show me a team that has won in the past that solely relies on the running game. You don't see the Chiefs doing that. You don't see the Bucs doing that. Tom Brady's slinging it left and right. The Patriots, when they had Tom Brady too, I mean, they're not solely focusing on the run is it important to establish a ground game Yes, of course it is, but that shouldn't be your main source of offense. Bill Lazor stressed that going into this week, and yes, Justin Fields threw the ball more than he has, 16-27, but what I kept saying this past week is, hey, if the Bears want to keep it close, aka, you know, covering that six-point spread, or even giving them a chance to win this game, he's got to complete about 18-25 to 25 and have over, what, like 34 pass attempts, whatever number I threw out there, and he went 16-27 for 174 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Obviously not the best stat line. So the thing is, and no, just because if he would have completed two more passes, that wouldn't have meant, oh, the Bears had a chance to win or would have covered. My point is they were having success in the air. You have enough talent with the receivers you went out to get. Oh, and don't forget, you still have Allen Robinson, who sometimes we have to get our binoculars because we're like, where is AR-12? What is he doing out there? Four catches, 53 yards, somewhat of a respectable game. And I get that the, you know, pedestal is really high for A-Rob. And I've said it before. I mean, I thought he was going to have a worse season. Not worse in terms of his production, but in terms of just him getting targets and shares because of Mooney's uprising and because of the depth that you included in this group. But again, you know, you want to see them pass the ball more. What was good was getting Cole Komet involved. Four catches, 49 yards. Mooney continues to be the top guy with five catches and 45 yards. But again, look. You have the receivers with Marquise Goodwin and Bird who can also help you out, and you have a guy who can throw it in fields. Yes, it's going to be a learning process for him all around, and yes, you're scared a little bit of the offensive line, but the offensive line wasn't that bad. And more importantly, you were going up against this incredibly banged up Green Bay Packers team that got injured and injured more so as the game progressed. Why wouldn't you have taken advantage of that? Again, and I'm not taking anything away from Khalil Herbert. He played great. He played amazing. And for a third string running back, man, tip of the cap to Herbert for sure. He's been crushing it in the two games we've seen a lot of action out of him. But you can't expect to beat a team like Green Bay against a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers when you're running the ball consistently and not implementing the play action early in the second half. Can you get away with that a lot in the first half being running the ball and trying to, you know, control the time of possession and everything? Yeah, for sure. Can you do it when you're trailing against the Green Bay Packers? No, you cannot. And that was proved to be the case when they lost the game 24 to 14. And yeah, I get it. You know, you could say, well, the defense, well, no, the defense played a respectable enough game for this offense to keep it close. The Bears couldn't execute. You had some bad decisions by Justin Fields, which is, it's okay to admit. This kid isn't going to be perfect. Of course, it's going to be a learning process, and he can handle the criticism, and there is plenty to be handed out to him. But at the same time, he made some really good decisions and some really good throws. There's some miscommunication that was a mishap. And of course, you know, the offsides, that wasn't necessarily his fault. But then the sacks were the biggest thing. But at the end of the day, what I'm trying to say is that if you fool these defenses with play action, this goes for every team. I mean, you know, Warren Sharp, who uh, does a lot of analytics, covers the NFL. He's a great follow on Twitter, you know. It just shows how reliable the play action is. I mean, the Rams, for example, do it all the time. It's just so successful and such a viable option offensively that could really fake out the defenses, especially when you have a mobile quarterback like Justin Fields and that opens up the opportunities for him, right? Not only on the ground, but in the air. And then when you have a threat like Khalil Herbert, who's already having a good running day, you have a chance to even stress that importance of the play action more so. So again, you were doing well enough in the air, and I think they didn't rely on it enough in the second half as they should have. And that needs to change this upcoming week. And I think it will. It's going to have to because you're going up against arguably the best run defense in the league in Tampa Bay with a secondary that has also been really bad, allowing like the fourth most passing yards per game in the league as of this point. So that's something that still is just not sitting too well with me in terms of what I've digested from this game. Let the kid throw it. Let him sling it, baby. Come on. It's the only way you can imagine to keep it close against the Buccaneers on the road. Only way. So I'm pumped to see where his passing attempts and completions are going to be. You know, we talked about that for our prop show heading into this game, and he got closer but didn't go over either of them. If there's a time for him to do it, it's got to be against the Buccaneers. So with that being said, though, uh, kind of a little segue here, let's transition in to the actual lines and opening lines for the Bears going on the road against Tampa Bay. Now, my prediction was way off in terms of the spread. Total, I was pretty much right there, but spread now in, in you know, throwing this out there, there were the look ahead lines and I don't really check out those as much. So I didn't entertain that. Otherwise, you know, my answer probably would have been different, but I said seven and a half, and that was pretty generous. Just because I give more respect, I guess, than it slides to the key number being seven. And also, I was factoring in, you know, this Bears defense, not bad, and the Buccaneers secondary is not good at all. But so anyways, the early look ahead line, like a week ago in some spots, had Tampa Bay minus 10, total was about 49-ish. My prediction was Tampa Bay minus seven and a half, which would get bet up a lot, of course. And then the total, like, 48 um but the actual opening lines were pretty much Buccaneers for this week Buccaneers minus 12 and a half in the total at 49 so yes I was way off no that doesn't mean I'm gonna take the points because that's where I had my number at it was more so just a guess right there in the spot and yeah I you know in hindsight you know yeah the Tampa Bay probably even like more so a realistic guess should have been like you know, eight and a half to nine and a half range, honestly, from what I should have guessed. But it's obviously really not that important either. So who cares? But that just shows you how much lack of respect. It's not even a lack of respect. It's just how good Tampa Bay is and how much people don't really know what they can expect out of this Bears offense. Can you keep up with the big boys at Tampa Bay? Yes, you beat them last year at home. Tom Brady will remember that. You bet he will. He's that type of guy to have the chip on his shoulder. We all know that. And, you know, now the spread's even getting up to 13 at bet Rivers. Bucks minus 13, minus 835 on the money line. Bears plus 540. The total has dipped down, though. 49 now to 47 and a half. Still shaded to the under. I am not so much of a fan of the under in that spot. And I've been saying this past couple of Bears games, and it hasn't come through. Luckily, we haven't been betting it. But... You know, again, I think the Bears have the talent. They just can't execute it, and they don't have the full trust in the passing game. But they will need to against this Bucks team that, once again, is really bad against the pass. They're allowing 281 passing yards per game. They're only allowing 55 rushing yards. I think it may be a little bit tougher for our guy Khalil Herbert, okay? This offensive line is going to get blasted. You know, like, you know, going against Ndamukong Sue and the rest of the crew, like, my goodness, if the Bucs are close to being healthy, sheesh, it's going to be a tough game for the Bears. But look, the passing game needs to get thrown in the mix, and we'll get to that a little bit more so in the show, but that's what needs to happen against the Bucs. But that was kind of just a recap of the opening lines and how far I was off, and yes, I was off a large amount in terms of that spread. Let's get to some of our other segments here let's start with where's the beef and then bear with me all right where's the beef we got a few here let's start and i hate being that guy blaming this group but it it was pretty obvious and it's the officials my beef is with the officials for every game it's impossible for them to be perfect i get it but even more so for the bears and especially when it's against the packers there was just you know the offsides was bad And then people are bringing up a lot now on that second down run when Dylan got stuffed, barely made it to the line of scrimmage. They just gave him a first down. Like, it's little things like that that are just absolutely atrocious that you see on a game-to-game basis in this league. And I, I don't know. It's just... It's a li- I mean, you can't really put the full beef on the refs because you're going to have a beef with them every single game. But at the end of the day, there were actually some really bad calls there that did change the momentum of this game a tad bit. So I'm not going to go fully in on the refs because everybody just doesn't like the refs on a week-to-week basis. But there deserves to be a beef with the officiating in that Bears and Packers game. It's a Bears fan, you have the right to be mad at them. It's not an excuse like, oh, you can't blame the refs. No, there was some, there was some valid criticism That deserves to be thrown out to that officiating crew that had a really tough go. So the refs get a beef. How about Bill Lazor, like we were just talking about, not letting Fields sling it as much? Let the kid throw! He's got incredible arm talent, and we trust him as Bears fans more than we trusted Trubisky, more than we're trusting any other quarterback we've had in recent history. And again, you have the receiving talent and you're going up against a defense that was Swiss cheese, man. And they were banged up and you just didn't want to, you know, stick the knife in it when you had the lead. Let the kid throw it, especially this week. And finally, my other beef. What about Eddie Jackson? I'm not sure if anyone saw this out there, if a lot of you did or didn't, but... How about Eddie Jackson taking that shot at Lance Briggs? So after the, the game, they do their post game show, some of the former Bears like Lance Briggs, Olin Krutz and company. And, you know, Lance Briggs is calling out Eddie Jackson. And rightfully so. We've called out Eddie Jackson plenty of times. A lot of people call out Eddie Jackson because he is not the same guy that he was in 2018. Buddy, you shouldn't be calling out anybody himself because if you missed it, basically what happened is he went all the way back to 2011. I'm not saying he scrolled through this Twitter feed. He could do the search, but he found a tweet of PFF saying something along the lines of what it was like. uh, Lance Briggs has the most missed tackles in the league or something like that, whatever it is in 2011. And he did the emoji, you know, quote tweeting it like the hmm with your two fingers on your chin, like, wow, that's interesting. And then he deleted it. First of all, Mr. Eddie Jackson You are so petty enough to actually go do that. You should be focusing on the fact that you can't even perform open tackles. Okay? Let's revisit that play that is a safety, as Lance Briggs was alluding to. You are the last line of defense, and you couldn't even tackle the open receiver that almost led to the touchdown on Devontae Adams. But that's not the only instance. This happens consistently for you, my guy. After you got your payday, you just took a backseat, and you haven't been producing anything. Okay, you have a good tackle here and there. You had, what, a strip against the Cincinnati Bengals? Bravo, you did it against the lowly Cincinnati Bengals. Step up big when it matters, my guy, and stop worrying about what Bears legends like Lance Briggs, who actually performs well or performed well on a consistent basis defensively, has to say about you take it as criticism and learn from it and then once you start performing then how about you call out your guy Lance Briggs not while you're in the midst of being a bad performer and doing something petty on social media like that from 2011 that is pathetic Eddie Jeez, get a grip focus on making tackles and big plays okay then you can call out everybody who's been dissing you but you got to earn it you get a beef this week too focused on your playing, and less about what Lance Briggs is saying and digging up old tweets. All right? So Eddie Jackson gets another beef this week. And look, he had a good tackle in the game. He had a couple, but at the end of the day, there's always an explosive play that gets him called out and him missing a tackle or something like that. You're a safety. You're supposed to live for those moments, man. Come on. All right, so that's my where's the beef. Uh, Let's move on to bear with me now. Basically just talking about why I think there could be a reason to, hey, just stay calm. It's going to be okay for this reason for the Bears. And it's, you know, it's not always going to be about the Bears. It'll be about other Chicago sports too. But, well, no, it won't because it's called Bear With Me. What am I saying? I'm saying where's the beef is not always going to be about Bears. But Bear With Me, of course, is just going to be about the Bears. Sorry, Eddie Jackson's got me flustered right now. Oh, man. All right. Bear With Me. Let's go into it. Uh, Why it'll be okay for the Bears. This upcoming week, you get Tampa Bay. As I already stressed in this show, Tampa Bay has some holes, and that's on the defensive side, and that is in the secondary, where they rank 18th in DVOA pass defense, okay? And not only that, they're allowing 281 passing yards per game, which is 27th worst in the National Football League. What did I say earlier? Kind of the beef. Bill Lazor not letting Fields sling it. It's not that they didn't let him, but they didn't let him do it enough. You have to let Fields let loose in this game. Let him throw the ball and show off that arm talent. Let the receivers do what you paid them to do, and that's to get open and make some plays. You are not going to be able to rely on the run this game, Bill. And you said that going into this week. And Khalil Herbert was a stud. We know this, but that's not going to win you games. That is not a successful formula because this is 2021 and everybody's passing the ball. And you have fantastic quarterbacks with insanely athletic receivers who are the difference makers in the game. That's what needs to happen to compete with a team like Tampa Bay. That's what needs to happen to compete with a team like Green Bay or anyone who has somewhat of a decent quarterback and good athleticism all around. You have to let him go, especially against the Bucks, who rank third in DVOA run defense and limit opponents to just 55 rushing yards per game. That is number one in the NFL. You're missing two other running backs. Oh, man. And Khalil Herbert, as good as he is, you think he's going to be able to do that against the Bucs on the road with this Bears offensive line against that Tampa Bay defensive front? No, no, no. He may have an okay game, sure. (laughs) But you know that Tom Brady's going to be able to make his way down the field against the Bears. Are you kidding me? So Justin Fields needs to have a huge game in the air. And bear with me because I think he will. Not saying he's going to throw for 300 passing yards or be, you know, absolutely dominant. But I'm saying bear with me in the sense that if the passing game is concerning you, and it's not concerning me, it's just frustrating because I know he can be good in that area. They're just not allowing him to break that mold yet. So I'm saying bear with me. If they allow him to break that mold, you will see some good stuff out of fields in this offense. Even though they're not going to beat the Buccaneers, you will see some promising stuff that will prove to come to a, you know, more reliable I don't know, basis of, you know, offense down the road. And it might not be this season, but it might be next year. But you're going to get a glimpse out of it, right? You're going to get a glimpse, even if they're trailing, padding the stats, that they can move the ball down the field when Fields is throwing it. So bear with me. There will be some highlights on the offensive side for Chicago if they put trust in this kid. That's my bear with me. That's my where's the beef. And that's kind of a brief look ahead to the Bears and Buccaneers. You know we'll talk more about it in the middle of the week, but it's not a pretty matchup for Chicago. Hopefully at least there's some positive takeaways. That's all you can hope for at this point in the season. But not all hope is lost because like we talked about in the post-game reaction show, this team has so much untapped potential. Maybe not in the offensive line. Maybe not in the secondary. But with Justin Fields and that receiving crew, and when the running backs come back healthy, they can make some good things happen. You just got to believe in them. And they just got to execute and not make those mental mistakes, which Justin Fields definitely had. But it's going to be a learning process. We understand this when you're throwing in a rookie quarterback with this type of coaching staff at offensive line. So have some patience, but let's just see those incremental improvements, right? A step-by-step. In a big test happened this past week against the Packers. We know what this Bears team is. We know they're a defense that is good enough to limit solid offensive teams. But their offense isn't good enough to execute on a consistent basis to keep them in that small margin. Can that change this week against Tampa Bay? I don't know. My hopes aren't there for this game in particular. But my hopes are there that Justin Fields can have some great plays. So we'll be excited to see what happens come Sunday. All right, coming up next here on the Chicago City Cast, let's recap college football. All right, got to save the pipes for this one. We are going to be yelling at Scott Frost here. You know that, so stick around. A lot of excitement and yelling coming your way as we recap Big Ten college football. And I got to play for the Bulls game. Season opener on Wednesday. Stick around.
1: Bet Rivers Sportsbook wants you to be in control of your football bets. That's why players love the same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Same game parlays let you mix and match player props and game bets and gives a payout boost to the winning combinations you want to root for. Bet on same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to BetRivers.com today. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling one eight hundred Gambler one
0: 1-800-426-2537. The Chicago CityCast is presented by Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers Sportsbook is the industry leader when it comes to online sports betting, and it has you covered for the NFL season. They're offering same-game parlays in all of the pro football matchups. Plus, they're bringing back the Reduce the Juice promotion on game days. And this NFL season, they have a $1 million Beat the Spread Challenge with thousands of dollars given away each week. Pro football betting is more rewarding at BetRivers. Download the app or go to BetRivers.com to place your bets. Okay, welcome back to the Chicago City cast presented by Bette Rivers, Danny Burke, your host. Remember, you can always follow me on Twitter, yell at me, scream at me, ask me questions, whatever you want to do at Danny Burke five on the tweets. Uh, And if you follow me, you know, I do a lot of yelling in there in terms of at least tweeting, you can assume I am very vocal with it when it comes to college football and more specifically with my alma mater, Nebraska. Let's recap this past week in college football throughout the Big Ten. We'll save the Nebraska rant for the end. But Purdue and Iowa, oh my goodness. Did this salvage that Nebraska loss just a little bit to make us Husker fans um, just feel a little bit better about ourselves. Maybe not better, but not as worse. What an Iowa thing to do. You lose to Purdue, but not only that, you lose at home and after you had the big game. (laughs) He get ranked two, number two in the country, second in the country. My friends who went there, you know, even before this game, it's hysterical because they all know they have a great team, but what you don't have is a great quarterback, as I've been saying week after week after week from last year to this year. And oh my goodness, Petrus, 17 to 32, 195 yards. I didn't even look at the stats till now, to be honest, but he had four interceptions and no touchdowns. Oh my gosh, this is just insulting to the rest of this Iowa team. And defensively, I mean, look, you know, the defense didn't do great, but still limiting any team to 24 points in college football is still respectable enough. But you let Aiden O'Connell go 30 of 40 for 375 yards and two touchdowns. That is not like any Iowa defensive performance. We've seen in quite some time. So yes, the defense has some, (laughs) has to be held accountable too. But Petrus is just not that dude. And you knew that. And if you believed they were going to make the college football playoff, you weren't necessarily crazy because they're. Is an avenue for them to still do it in a sense, but and even before, of course, they went undefeated and won the Big Ten championship. But when she got there, you had to know deep down you were going to get smacked or going to. I'm acting like I closed the door, but you, you had to go undefeated. You did, if you're Iowa, in my opinion. I mean, the rest of the, I don't know, just college football is kind of wacky in the first place. But it's not only that, like you lost to Purdue, but again, you lost at home, and it wasn't even close. You put up seven at home against the Boilermakers. How pathetic is that? Jeez. And I really don't. And I kind of joke. I don't have a disdain for Iowa. I do in like a joking sense because my sister went there, had a lot of friends who went there, and it's Nebraska's rival in the Big Ten. But look, it would be awesome. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you root for your conference to get some teams in there so you can yell at your SEC friends and Big 12 friends and Pac-12 friends, whatever it may be. And Iowa just, it's just hilarious. Because everybody was talking about, myself included. Look, Iowa at this point, after last week, being Penn State, had a cupcake schedule. Toughest game is going to be against Nebraska. (laughs) What about Purdue? Oh, goodness. Iowa, Iowa, Iowa. This is why we can't have nice things in the Big Ten. All right, so Iowa drops it, and they also drop their hopes to going to the college football playoff. Michigan State's barely old not against Indiana. I actually like taking the points with Indiana in this spot. I didn't do it officially, but I was very close in a 20-15 to 15 game. The spread was like 4.5 at the highest. Maybe you got 5 at the best number. I thought this was a letdown spot for Michigan State. You know, not that they're not a solid team, but Indiana was coming off a bye, and Indiana still, you know, has some talent, relatively but I just thought that was kind of a tough spot for Michigan State. But they hold on 20-15. to 15, So good for you, Michigan State. Um, Northwestern with an impressive win. A lot of people like Rutgers in that game. Thankfully, you can't bet in Illinois because maybe I would have faded Northwestern. But they get the job done 21-7 to 7 at home against the Rutgers. That was the only thing that scared me kind of, too, is like, why would I want to trust the Rutgers on the road? Rutgers on the road. Not the Rutgers on the road, if that's what I said. But if I wanted to trust Rutgers on the road, even though it's Northwestern you know, I have a crazy home environment, but... I don't know if we could trust the Scarlet Knights as of this point on the road. So, whatever. Props to Northwestern finally doing something good. And then Wisconsin and Army. This game makes me mad because Army was catching 14. And I've been on Army like three times this season. And this would have been a great spot to do so. Because then catching 14 in any spot's kind of like, hmm. And then you're like, well, it's against Wisconsin. And it's double, hmm, because Wisconsin has been a train wreck this season. But the thing was, Wisconsin has like the, the best run defense in the country. One of the best. And Army hasn't been great against the past defensively, but they're still relatively solid. So I was like, oh, yeah, points with Army. Then I'm like, hold up, hold up, hold up. How classic would it be, me, you know, betting the win total for Wisconsin, betting them in a couple games this year? if I bet against them and then they would just smack army, like that was a hundred percent going to happen. It's not that I controlled the outcome, but something in the universe would have made that happen. <laughs> so that's how I stayed away. And, and of course, inevitably, you know, army does cover. They only lose by six, but no, I mean, Wisconsin just can't do anything offensively. So just don't bet on Wisconsin, but army covers, but they lose 20 to 14 on the road against Wisconsin. All right, let's get to it. Minnesota and Nebraska. or 30 to 23 Minnesota wins. And I bet on Nebraska. I bought the points down three and a half to three at the beginning of the week. It went up to four people were liking the Huskers here, two and a half up to four. Here we go. I'm getting both hands ready. Okay. (laughs) The reason I bet on Nebraska in this game in which any other season or spot like this, I never would have touched it. But the reason I did is because there was finally sentiment that this was a different team. This was a different culture and a different just vibe to this squad. Any other spot where you have a big letdown in a big primetime game at home against a team like Michigan the next week you'd go. "Ooh, that's a letdown spot on the road for Nebraska land points. I don't like that. But then you think, well, there was other spots where there could have been a letdown. After losing Week 0 to Illinois, you win your next couple of games against inferior opponents, but you still get the job done. Um, You lose at Oklahoma in a respectable way. Oh, letdown spot against Michigan State after, right? And then it's, no. You should have won that game, but your punter had a boneheaded mistake. And then you, oh, letdown game. That's when you should have won. Now it's really devastating. Well, then you get Northwestern and you smack them. Like 52-7. to And then you get Michigan Getting momentum there. And they had it close. They had a chance to win. You had the devastating fumble. But again, because of the other spots that they've had where it's been let down, they had still played competitive in every single spot. And Minnesota has been one of the most volatile teams. Losing 14-10 at home to Bowling Green. And then Nebraska just comes out flat. And okay, fine. That makes a little sense. 21-9, you're down at the half. That's embarrassing. Your defense played terribly. And... You know, the offense couldn't get anything going. But then the second half, you finally do. But oh my goodness, if that wasn't the worst coaching half I've ever seen by someone in football. I Scott Frost, what was it? To start, you, ha- you get down to the goal line. You get three chances and you can't get it in. That's pathetic in itself, but whatever. Fourth and goal, yes, correct call. You go for it. But he does it out of shotgun, and Nebraska always does that. Why are you not under center? And this is for every team. If it's fourth in inches, third in inches, anything in inches, or a yard... Why are you snapping it out of shotgun? You are literally making it harder on yourself, having to gain more yards and letting the defense get more time to catch up and stop you. And that's what happened. The running back got tripped up a little bit, but he probably still would have got stopped. That's one of the most infuriating things that happens in all of football. Anything in short and you're going out of shotgun. What? Why do you only practice that? Are you incapable of sneaking it or getting it under center, turning around and handing the ball off? Holy cow. Uh, (laughs) That's absurd. And then not only that, that is like, okay, that happens in college football. That is so infuriating, but it happens. They get the ball back and they're going, they're driving. They are getting in. They were terrible in the red zone all day. They're driving down the field. Keep in mind, Nebraska's kicker, Connor Colt, um, arguably the worst kicker in college football as at this point, and everybody's known this going in Connor Colt. Yeah. Uh, I think he had already missed a kick in that game. He had missed plenty this season. Nobody trusts him. Nobody, you know, he made like what a 50 yarder in that game, but he missed an extra point. So anyways, my point is in this sequence, you're in respectable go for territory. Obviously. I mean, you're kicking a field goal. And you need it because you're cutting the one-score game down to a one-score game in the sense that, like, look, you're still going to have to go back to tight or take the lead. Like, why wouldn't you just go for the touchdown? And that's a different conversation. But they run three consecutive plays that are on the ground. Run, run, run. And then it's what? Like, it gets down to, like, maybe fourth and three, whatever, maybe. I don't know what it is. So they run it on, like, third and seven or something like that. And, frankly, you're thinking if you're running it on third and medium-ish to long, You do that with the intention of going forward on fourth down, right? We all know that as fans. You would think the coaches would too. But he runs it on third down, and then you bring out your kicker. Doing that in general is insanity. In that situation in the game with a field goal is not really going to help insanity. But you bring out Connor Culp, who has been the worst kicker that I have seen in college football in quite some time, that I've seen as being part of this Nebraska University. And he misses it. Of course he misses it. Uh, You can't even blame the kid at this point. Like, he has proven that he is not reliable. Like, if you're not good, you're not good. Okay, you know, you're just not cut out for this. You blame Scott Frost because for some reason, the kid has proven time and time again he can't be relied upon, but Scott Frost refuses to believe that and just throws him out there. That was the most idiotic coaching sequence I have seen in quite some time, and I would argue that that is almost worse than anything Matt Nagy has done, and that's how bad it was, Scott Frost. That was almost a fireable offense for those two sequences back-to-back. Out of shotgun on fourth and inches, you don't get it. Three consecutive runs without the intention of going for it on fourth down with a kicker who has proven he is not good. And of of course he's going to miss it. Like, even if he made it, you deserve to lose that game by settling for that field goal. Absurd. Just absolutely absurd. My friend and I texting back and forth, like, knowing that was going to happen. Like, I literally, I was like, of course he misses it. What did you actually expect out of this kicker who has been miss, make, miss, make, miss, 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 make, whatever it is. Like, you, you shouldn't even have him out there, even if it's Justin Tucker. You should be going for it on fourth and short in that spot, trying to take the lead or tie the game. I can't remember exactly what the spot was, but the field goal wasn't going to take the lead. It wasn't going to tie the game, and it was late in the second half at that point. Like, what are you doing, Scott Frost? His kid has not given you any trust, and then he misses it. Of course he missed it. We knew he was going to miss it right when they sent him out there. And then a timeout got called, and they still sent him back. I maybe thought, oh, no, you know, they'll switch it up. No, they didn't. They didn't. They did not. And this is why Nebraska is not successful, because of inept playing ability like that, because their special teams is the worst in the country, because I, how is Scott Frost not aggressive? Like, isn't that why you brought him over from everything he did at UCF, that electric offense, and now you're just settling for this kicker who is... I'm 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 not even mad. At, I'm really not mad at the kid. Like, he, you're just not good, and that's fine. But you blame Frost because he keeps putting him in this situation. The kid's like, dude, I'm missing these. Why do you keep putting me in here? God almighty. I mean, Scott Frost, figure it out, dude. Jeez. And, yeah, that was classic to tie the game. Like, I tweeted that out to Like, at least Nebraska doesn't get us... You know, almost like being our alma mater, at least they don't get our hopes up as former just classmates there. Like, because we have this big group chat and we're all just saying to each other, like, hey, this is typical, but at least they don't kill us too bad at the end of the game. Because, and I, and I was tweeting this out, like I said, I mean, it was against what? It was Oklahoma, you know, four and out trying to tie the game at the end. Michigan State, interception, overtime right away. Got rid of it. Minnesota, uh, you get sacked or take the safety, whatever it was. You know, uh, it's done. Like, at least they don't get close and then lose it on the drive. Like, right away, when it's a come from behind with Nebraska this season, you know it's just going to be over and done with. And that's fine. It's not fine. But you know what I'm saying. But that was just one of the worst sequences from Scott Frost in quite some time. To the point where it was almost impressive in that he had money on Minnesota. You had to believe it. But I... It's just another day in the life of being a Cornhusker. That's the best way to put it. But man, oh goodness. You know, it's almost to the point too where I'm just rooting for it because it gives better quality content for me to yell into this microphone. Some people may love it. Some people may hate it. Some people may say, hey, stop talking about Nebraska. They're irrelevant and they stink. And you're all right in all those categories. But, you know, it is what it is. All right, finally, before we head out here, let's move on to some basketball here. Bulls opening game is this week, and I wanted to throw out this play really quick in case the line moves, but I took the Bulls on the money line, minus 155. When it comes to betting NBA, it is incredibly volatile, and the most stressful sport to bet comes down to wonky free throws, dumb three-point shots at the end of games that will kill your spread. So if the spread is anywhere from about one to as high as four, I will look to laying more with the money line so I don't have to sweat out the spread. So the Bulls are minus 155 at bet Rivers. Best number out there. They're on the road against the Pistons. We all know the hype around the Chicago team. Is it a bet because I want to root for the Bulls in their opening spot? Yeah, that's a little bit of it. Is it a bet because it's a good spot against the Pistons? That's also a little bit of part of it too. But I do think, of course, that the Bulls are the better team here. Opening game. They have momentum. They're getting Williams back, it seems like. This team is going to be fun this year. And I think it starts on Wednesday night when they go on the road against Detroit. The lowly Pistons, Bulls should have the advantage if you want to do it. I think this line is still going to move in favor of the Bulls once it gets to game day. So bet the Bulls now if you're interested so you can get the best number. But let's go Bulls, baby. Minus 155 on the money line. Heck of a season to look forward to. It's exciting times. The Bulls will carry us, baby. It's been a rough start for the Blackhawks. It's not too surprising, but still, it's a long season for the Blackhawks. They'll bring it back. But the Bulls are what us Chicago fans are holding on to. You know, the Chicago Sky. Absolutely. Great. Championship. Let's go. But we're moving on, baby, because we need another champion on the hardwood. But no, in all seriousness, props. This is Chicago Sky. That was awesome. Candace Parker bringing back the champion or her coming back and then bringing a championship to her city. LeBron James-esque. That was great. And just watching everything on Twitter and everybody coming together, that was awesome to see. So good for the Chicago Sky. That was a blast. I was watching some of those games and saw the end of the, uh, the final game with that comeback. I mean, that was incredible. It was great to see the city come together like that. So props to the Chicago Sky. I need to get more into WNBA betting, man. I mean, that's a good spot that is very untapped that a lot of people make their cake on. But props to the Chicago Sky. Hopefully the Chicago Bulls can get some props, too, especially after game one with the Pistons. Again, we're rolling with the Bulls on the money line. Minus 155 exciting times ahead. All right, that's going to wrap it up for another edition of the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Once again, Danny Burke, your host. You can catch my other show, Rush Hour, on VEASAN, Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time. Until the next episode, take care. Enjoy all the sports betting action. Best of luck. More Bears talk coming your way this week.
1: Bet Rivers Sportsbook wants you to be in control of your football bets. That's why players love the same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Same game parlays let you mix and match player props and game bets and gives a payout boost to the winning combinations you want to root for. Bet on same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to BetRivers.com today. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board's statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. 1-800-426-2537. If you dare. We